What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 132. I am your host, Matt Hanif. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, you eliminated it to it last week. The final two weeks of the football season, this is the arguably the, big, the biggest two games of the season because these are must-win games. You have to win these games for a shot at the Mountain West Championship, and Nevada has to get it done, and uh, I guess we'll see as time goes on, but these are must-win games. Uh, definitely. I mean, this is kind of the home stretch. It sounds weird saying that. Two games left, two man. Two games left, and it's the home two stretch. Two games left already. Under unique circumstances. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, this is uh, this is it. But, um, no, I mean, we got two huge matchups, and coming into, you know, hosting Fresno State this Saturday night, Expectations are high, implications are high, I mean, and the stakes are even higher. So, can't wait to get into it. See, now both teams are playing for something here because each have one loss. We don't really know with all these cancellations if, like, let's say hypothetically if Fresno State were to win. We don't necessarily know yet if they were to make it in the Mountain West Championship, but if they hypothetically did beat Nevada, they would be 4-1 and one and Nevada would be 5-2. and two. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's... You know, with their cancellations and their postponements, kind of pushes them back a bit. But similar to us, they only have one loss, and this, you know, this matchup means just as much to them as it means us. And I don't care that they have two weeks of no contact and no playing in that regard. There's they some gray are, area there on whether they'll be rusty or they'll yes, be rested. I'm I'm weirded to you know I'm like. You're skeptical. I'm not really skeptical, but. I'm. I don't know. I think they're going to come out firing. I Fresno State's a good team. For Got sure. Got a great running Without attack, question. and it's this is just a huge game. And I think both teams are going to want it more than anything. And for Nevada, I mean, we illuminated to how important the, the SDSU game was a couple weeks back. I this one's opinion, almost as big as this expectations. Is just as big. Yeah. I mean, if not bigger, considering what is on the line for Nevada if yeah. they lose. Because if they lose then they have to hope in for some luck in these and really the final week of the season for them to make the Mountain West Championship. And if they win, I mean, they at this point, they control their own destiny. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to two huge wins. And at this point, as with any college football season, I really do think you take it one week at a time. So just have to focus on this one, and this is going to be a tough matchup. For sure. All right, let's jump. Or before we jump right into that, there's some there was news that came out yesterday that the Nevada women's basketball team they had their series canceled for Friday and Sunday they were scheduled to play at Air Force but there was a COVID outbreak uh, in Colorado Springs uh, with the Air Force women's basketball program and so they decided to cancel it so Nevada will play next on December 12th next ne- not this Saturday but next Saturday at Sacramento State at noon so this is the third game they've had this year three out of four that have been canceled they beat. William Jessup, 66-65. No, and that's, unfortunately, it seems as if right now the women's team is the only program at Nevada that's being affected by the postponement and cancellations. And obviously, let's knock on wood because Nevada football has been flawless to this point. Nevada men's basketball has gone off without a hitch. It's been crazy, and we've talked about it, you know, with football and basketball, how many postponements and cancellations there are going on around the Mountain West Conference, even with this unique schedule going on, it's sad to see. 
And the women's team right now is the victim of it because they're the only ones right now who... And it's not even them. It's not it's, even it's them. It's the other programs that the, are they're playing. It's just been crazy. And credit Nevada for just handling this to the best of their ability and having some few things break their way in both sports has been huge. So we'll continue to update that status, but wish the women's team nothing but the best because they were off to a good start. That William Jessup game went down to the wire. Yeah, and so we're going to be talking about football, and then after we're going to be getting into some basketball stuff, we're going to hit on that. And so for football, anyone who really knows Kalen DeBoer or his history knows that he has, no, he's just been an offensive guru. Not offensive guru, but he's produced high explosive offenses. And Fresno State is, of course, the top of the conference. Ahead of Nevada in total offense, they're one of the top scoring offenses in the conference, so that's not surprising. So Nevada's defense is going to have to step up this game. Oh, definitely. They have a high-powered offensive attack. Once again, I mean, Fresno State, they are explosive in a lot of ways. And like you mentioned, DeBoard, he is creative and he is very very out of the box right when he was at when he was at fresno state as the offensive coordinator in 2017 2018 they went 22 and 6 i believe in those two seasons they won the mountain west championship at 12 and 2 in 2018 they were three points away from one score away from beating boise state in the mountain west championship in 2017 and then when he went on to be the offensive coordinator at indiana last season they were they had their best season in like 26 years and which is probably going to get top based off of winning percentage this year. But still, I mean, he's produced high-powered offenses everywhere. So if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that Kalen DeBoer's offense would be the best offense in the Mountain West, I wouldn't be surprised by it. No, his track record speaks for itself. And the programs he's brought up and really brought some of his own offensive schemes to the mix has been so impressive. And this year is no exception. I know with some of the COVID outbreaks going on, it has affected Fresno State's season. But like you said, they've performed well in every game they've played to this point. Except the first except, one. <laughs> I was going to say, except their season opener. And after that, they've been on a steady ride. But it's had some bumps along the way with some cancellations. So I'm a little excited and yet a little nervous. A little excited? Oh, okay. A little, like okay, a little okay. excited and nervous at the same time to I got see you. how Fresno State really responds to this. Because... They're being thrusted into a huge game. I mean, expectations <laughs> are on the line, like you said, for both teams. And Nevada needs to come prepared following that loss at Hawaii. And, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just expecting it to really be a chess match on both sides of the ball. Yeah, over their three-game win streak, they're averaging nearly 38 points and 487 yards of offense per game. Disgusting. Disgusting. That's, I mean... And this will be a little bit different for Nevada because... Fresno State's seventh best in the Mountain West in rushing offense, but their second best in passing offense. Nevada's faced a lot of not run-heavy teams, but teams that have really performed their best in the run game and not necessarily the passing game. It's the exact opposite this week and really the first time all season we've had that. Yeah, I mean, they're a well-balanced attack, and that doesn't bode well for Nevada defensively because I know we've seen some slip-ups, especially against Hawaii and what they were able to do against us last week. Fresno State can be even tougher, and they are, you know, they can beat you in the run, they can beat you in the pass, and just like Nevada, they're explosive. They create downfield plays, they create a lot of extensions and a lot of extended drives, so Nevada's offense is going to need to step up as well, and especially on the defensive end, they need to hold their own. 
Yeah, because we saw last week Hawaii went nine for fourteen on third down conversions. Nevada still, for Nevada still has the third best uh, third down defense in the in the conference, but it was significantly impacted this last week, and it was a flaw that they haven't really shown all season that was shown this week, or against Hawaii. Oh, definitely, and it's just gonna be one of those things. I mean, we saw some holes defensively from Nevada, and we we definitely saw some holes offensively from Nevada last week, and. I really hope and believe they will correct some of those mistakes against a tougher opponent on paper to this point. But I'm just, I don't know, getting into this matchup, both teams really do, I would say, match up well. I would say offense for offense in that matter. And it could really be a high-scoring affair. Yeah, it could be. Nevada's going to have to put up a lot of points. Let's start with talking about Fresno State's passing attack a little bit. Jake Hayner had a rough rough first game he was transferred from Washington this was his first year of eligibility with Fresno State and the first game of the season he only completed 58 percent or 55 percent of his passes for 289 yards touchdown and three picks he's only had one pick since then he's had eight touchdowns and he's thrown for nearly 900 yards yeah I mean he completed seven over 70 percent of his passes he, you want to talk about a bounce back candidate right now to this point he's been truly spectacular following that performance and he's just been able to string together some consistency and that's one of the things that he's him and another person we'll get to talking about are really the driving force behind that bulldog offense and credit you know this is going to be a tough tough defensive matchup for both of them and I think they're going to pose a lot of problems defensively for Nevada. I'll be remiss to mention that he completed 76% of his passes for a career-high 422 yards, four touchdowns and a pick last time against Utah State. You know, he's. you mentioned the passing attack. They have a lot of weapons out wide. Especially one in the backfield that we're going to get to in just a second. And it's it's just like the more you look at this team and, you know, I'm – they just have weapons. I mean, that's all I can say. And that's one of the things that Nevada really needs to hone in on because there's not one particular guy to focus on. This is a well-balanced offense, and they need to be ready for whatever happens on the field. Oh, trust me. There's a guy to focus on. You want to talk about him a little bit? Yeah. Running back Ronnie Rivers? Yeah. He's just— One of the best backs in the conference, by the way. Another yeah, it... great running back in Nevada's face this year. I think—can you argue he's the best? I mean, I, I don't— This year? Yeah, well, you okay. Can, you, no, I'm I'm no, I'm I'm speaking yeah. from this year. Yeah. Yeah, you can make an argument for yeah. it. I know it's been tough cuz obviously he's had his fair share of cancellations to not really put up some of the numbers that especially, others Right, especially in accounting numbers. He's yeah. not at the top because of he's only played 4 games. And let alone the season itself is going to be 8 games, so his numbers are going to be a little bit fluctuated, but he is so good. <laughs> he's certainly going to be an all Melton must first team back. He, he is just you want He's, to talk about explosive. I mean, we talk about Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs. He could be in contention for Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year, too. Yeah. I mean, he's put together some eye-popping numbers of his own. And, yeah, I guess him and, you know, I, I would really say that he is the driving force behind their offense. He is just – he's a workhorse. I feel like you can feed him the rock 40 times a game, and he wouldn't even scoff at it. I mean, I think he's just that good in some aspects. He's just – he's a machine. Are he and Hayner the best one-two punch in the conference between quarterbacks and running backs? I would say so. I, I think one so, One-two right? punch in terms of, yeah, just quarterbacks just, and running backs. Yeah. I'm not talking about Strong and Dubs probably hold that honor for just one-two punch in general, but I'm talking about, like, just 
in between quarterbacks and running backs. I, I would probably put it up there. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, I would say Rivers at this point elevates Hayner just a little bit. Okay. But that's nothing against that's Hayner. Fair. Hayner's put it, put together, like you said, a few strong performances. So That's fair. I just think, you know, obviously if they had a couple more games to really show it, I think you can easily argue that they're one of the best duos. But even with what they've been able to do this year through four games, it's been impressive nonetheless. And something Nevada is... They just got to be prepared for at some point. I don't know if you can really stop it completely, but you can definitely slow it down. Slow it down, hopefully. And I think that comes in some ways on the offensive end too. So, yeah, it's just going to be with Rivers and Hayner. They're going to pose a lot of problems defensively, but I think that's where our offense is going to have to match up wise too. Just continue to answer if they can. 85 carries for 439 yards. He leads the conference in rushing touchdowns with seven. He is third in rushing yards per game with 109.8. He's second among tailbacks in receiving yards. At the top of that list is a guy who we faced last week who gave us troubles, Calvin Turner. And so that's back-to-back weeks where Nevada is going to be facing pretty much a scat-back threat out of the backfield. Oh, definitely. And we've seen Nevada kind of struggle in those aspects and it's one of the things that they really need to improve upon because a lot of explosive playmakers have gotten their fair share of yardage these past few weeks. Uh, You know what? They've made their fair share of plays, I should say, against Nevada these past few weeks. And this this week is no exception whatsoever because, you know, Fresno State's filtered with a lot of talent throughout the board. And he also has a crazy streak of touchdowns in 12 straight games. Like, that's, that's, that's wild. That's wild. Like, do you want to take a break from that? This week, you want to take a quick break? I mean, think of it as a buy from the end zone. We'd appreciate it. He's had two buys already, man. Like, I don't... (laughs) Maybe he's scoring touchdowns in Madden or something. (laughs) Made his own NCAA player or something. Yeah, it's dating back to, like, the beginning of last year. That's wild. Yeah. And so that just proves... I mean, again, they're not all rushing touchdowns. He's had multiple touchdowns in six of those games, too. He's, like we said, Rivers is just... He's an animal. And we faced some tough rushing attacks, obviously, with SDSU, with Galladay, among others. But Rivers can be just by himself. He's a completely different animal. In both the run game and the pass game. Again, we have to kind of, like, knock that pass game. Like, we kind of have to hone in on that because that's how they get a lot of their success. And in large part due to Rivers, who is tied for first on the team in receptions. He has 18 receptions. I think I mentioned that already, but that's tied for something. Yep, dual threat. I mean, he's a great threat out of the backfield. Really, I just think I have to credit you know, DeBoer and Fresno State for finding so many ways to just give their best playmakers the ball in Rivers in any situation. Whenever he has the ball in his hands, something special can happen, and he's proven that to this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The guy who's second or who's also a top the team in the receptions is Jalen Cropper, who went just berserk against Utah State. He had 10 catches for 202 yards and three touchdowns, or three touchdowns. Was it three or four? Three. Or three. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're right. Yeah. 10 catches, 202 yards, three touchdowns. You want to talk about bananas. That's a little bananas. Yeah. He's he had an <laughs> insane game. Just having... Having that wild of a game after not really being involved in the offense in the first 
three games is wild, man. But that's just how football is sometimes. Oh, definitely. No, that's some serious, like, fantasy numbers right there. But just speaks volumes to, you know, some of the depth and some of the talent that Fresno State has on offense. It's You can easily hone in on Rivers because at a lot of points he's the center core of that offense. But you can't let other playmakers like, you know, Wheatfall and other guys fall through the cracks because they'll burn you too. And I think in some ways Hawaii did that last week against Nevada. So just got to – you just really have to hold your own and hope the offense continues to put up points on their end as well. Yeah, eight catches for 77 yards and a touchdown in the first three and 10 for 202 and three touchdowns against Utah State. So, Yeah, I mean with Cropper and Wheatfall, just a pair of talents out wide. And I know we've kind of just pounded the – Pounded the gavel a bit for how good this offense is on Fresno State, but they're top the conference, man. They are. Like, they're we, top. Of, yeah, you have like to give them said, credit where credits due. They're the best in the conference right now, statistically speaking, for a reason. And I know it's only four games, and you know, hey, prorated, whatever. Not a big sample size, but whatever. I mean, this whole season's not a big sample size, so I think you really have to take what you can get, and just with the expectations coming with this game, I'm excited and, like I said, nervous to see how. Fresno State comes out because they could really be coming out firing offensively. The question is, is I mean, we've seen Nevada kind of regress to the mean a little bit these past two games. Yeah. Are they going to get back to where they were at the beginning of the season? They need. I really think they need to this week. They I need agree. it so badly because I really do think that Fresno State's going to put up some points, and the only way for Nevada to stay in the game and let alone, you know, possibly squeak out a win. And I'm not trying to say squeak out a win at home. You're at home. You're you've proven to be what, you know, yeah. Your five one record speaks for itself. But at the same time, like you said, I really do think for them to stay in this game, they need to put up points offensively. And to our credit, we have the weapons. We've shown the ability to do that throughout the year. A couple lulls these past couple weeks, and you said kind of like a a chip in the what's it like a chip in the shield. No, it's just you're regressing back to the mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because Nevada's Nevada's offensive performance, as good as it was in the first four weeks, wasn't expected to carry over the entire season. That's just not how statistically – it's almost statistically impossible unless if you're like UCF or something and you pass a billion times a game. Like that's not – I mean, Nevada does pass the ball a lot and they had the fourth fewest rushing attempts per game in the nation, but it was still bound to regress at some point with some team. Yeah, and it has happened these last couple of weeks, especially last week against the White, like we talked about. Well, like you said, there's ways. I really think there's ways for Nevada's to kind of bounce back to what they were these past four weeks offensively, and or the first four weeks offensively, and that's. I really think that has to be one of the key components as the game goes along. Is just both offenses being able to put up points because there's ways to attack both defenses and. To Nevada's credit, they have the you know they have the arsenal and they have the key players to do so as well. So yeah, I agree. And Fresno State isn't that bad of a defense. They put up it's a this is a crazy stat. They put up at least ten tackles for loss in the last two games. That's ridiculous. I don't know how that's possible. How do you how do you do that? I have no uh, idea. That's yeah, that's kind of bonkers. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, on both sides of the ball, they're playmakers. And 
You know, Nevada, I really think Nevada can take advantage of some of the things they do defensively, especially if they can get their downfield passing attack going again. That can be big, but Fresno State's no slouch. They won't just kind of turn over and let offenses trample them in some ways. So Nevada has to be on its A game on both sides of the ball. I mean, this is this is a big game. It's a huge matchup for this very reason because Fresno State lives up to the bill. Yeah, it's weird because just looking at it, Fresno State's they have a, again, we're facing another great pass defense for the second consecutive week, but we're facing a horrendous run defense. So I wonder if it's the same. I wonder if we won't know until the game, but I wonder if Mummy and Norvell have like the same game plan. They have the second worst run defense in the conference. They have a worse run defense statistically in just determining yards per game than Hawaii did. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the ways Nevada can attack them offensively. And that could be. If you're able to sustain drives that way through the run game. But will that work? Will, that's we need the big will play. That will that work? And we're going to have to see because if that does work, you're keeping Fresno State's hype octane offense off the field while your offense is obviously staying on the field. And coming off the week Toa Tawa had, and even statistically speaking, the week Devontae Lee had, I know a few, you know, a few penalties – took away some of his yardage, but they both looked very, very nice. You looked very, you know. Very well, good. Yeah, just very good last week against Hawaii, and that can continue heading into this week, and that's one of the ways Nevada can attack Fresno State. This is an interesting question because you see this trend with air raid offenses when they sputter. Do you think Fresno State's just going to drop eight again like <sighs> Hawaii did? And take away Rome, take away the they Romeo could. Dubs. I mean, effect. they play. They play. They're not like Hawaii, where they they'll play a four three. But, I mean, you could still drop seven or drop eight, take away as much open areas as you can. I don't know. They might. They might just do that. They might try to do the same thing where they try to prevent Dubs and Dubs over the top. Yeah, dubs over the top and turn her over the middle in a lot of ways. Like, how much do you think they've watched that game film? They, Just being like, hey, do yeah. this. Yeah, because the serious question here that you brought up, can Nevada beat you in the run game? Um, we haven't proven it to this point. We've shown glimpses of it, and we've showed potential. We've but... seen last game that, to an extent, we need the big play, or at least bigger plays, because Nevada only had a couple passes that went... 15, 20 yards. Yeah, and you, just for any offense to thrive, you need those types of big plays of at least 20, 25 yards. Chunk plays. It's what keeps drives alive. It's what keeps drives going, and that's one of the ways Nevada has become one of the best offenses in the conference was through those big plays like we talked about, not just of 25-plus yards. We're talking 50-plus, 60-plus yards, but what Hawaii did last week exposed a lot of weaknesses of our offense in some ways and being able to take away our downfield passing attack hurts us and being able to just kind of hone in on Romeo Dubs out wide hurts us as well. So we need to find ways to get him the ball and keep our offense on the field. Yeah, and I'll be also remiss to say that they have a good pass rush. Okay, they have they lead the, they lead the FBS in sacks per game with 5. My goodness. Yeah, this team is Yeah, they Kwame Jones and Kevin Atkins have uh Four, four each. David Perales has three. Alex Dumals have two, and that's just on their defensive line, which outside of their defensive line, there hasn't been a lot, but still. I mean, that just speaks volumes to just kind of how complete 
Fresno State is on both sides of the ball right now. And they're, I don't care, like I said, about the sample size through just four games. I really do think they're a well-stabilized program, and they're going to come out because they need this game just as much as Nevada in so many ways. And I, defensively, they can make some plays as well. Nevada just needs to find ways to keep drives alive and potentially find the big play here and there. And going back to Nevada's defense, I can't believe we missed on this before, but we need Dom back. Yeah. Yeah. It's no question how Dom, badly we miss him. He's likely going to play. We don't know yet. We don't. There's yeah, no he was not officially ruled out. Right. And so he injured his ankle last week in the second quarter, if I can remember yes. correctly. And he missed the entire second half. He didn't come back in the game. And Nevada's pass rush and just defense in general kind of wasn't as good as it was when, of course, Dom was in the game. Different things correlate to that, but I'm sure Dom's presence obviously would have helped in those third, fourth quarter moments when Nevada was in long down and distance situations and couldn't just couldn't get off the field. Hey, we've seen throughout the year in those types of conversions, third and fourth down, Dom shines. He yeah. really does. He steps up in the moment. San Diego State. <laughs> I was going to say, he and Sam Hammond create, you know, wrecked havoc defensively, and we need his presence. We need just how much of an impactful force he is in the trenches for us and for our defensive line as a whole. We need him. And if not, without him, Fresno State can really run wild on us. It can be a serious problem. Yeah. Do you have anything more to add? No. Are we getting into predictions, key takeaways? Let's get into our uh, keys for victory and our prediction. Isaiah, what are your keys to victory? My first key to victory is get Romeo the football. It's that's just we need to find ways to get him the ball. It doesn't have to be a fifty yard pass downfield. It could be short bubble screens. We saw that. When's the last time you saw Romeo Dubs catch a short bubble screen? Because the last time I saw it was week I think it was three against Utah State. Just finding ways to get him the ball I in short he, passing. I feel like situations. he's been involved in the short game a lot in the first few games, but Nevada just couldn't get him get him involved last week. Obviously, he just had one catch for ten yards after. 36 for 778 in the first five games. So, No, he's obviously we've talked about just how spectacular he's been, but how great of a job Hawaii did of zoning him out last week. That cannot happen this week against a team like Fresno State because they will hurt you immediately offensively if that's the case. And just getting Romeo dubs the football in any sort of way can help our offense move the chains. My second run, uh, my second point stays on the offensive attack because I really think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. It's get the run game going. We mentioned just how, you know, we're not trying to say depleted Fresno State is in the run game, but they are susceptible for certain. And coming off those strong performances that Toa Tao and Devontae Lee had, they can really feast, and that will add a new element and keep the our balance offensively. And hopefully that can help control the clock and find ways to keep Fresno State off the field. So those were my two keys to victory, both on the offensive end, because this could get wild. It could be a wild Saturday night. <laughs> What are your keys to victory? Um, I'm going to go against you a little bit. I mean, I agree with your first one of Romeo, but I was going to say try to air it out more and try to uh, just try to work downfield and try to get those explosive plays. No one in the no one in the nation has or no one in the conference has more 50 plus yard plays than Nevada. They have eight. No one has more 40 plus. They have 10. And so I'm not ex- not necessarily expecting that type of volume. Like I'm not I'm not going to be expecting. I mean, we've been spoiled in the first five weeks of the season with all these 
50, 60 yard plays. Like it's been out of control, but get something where you can get 20, 30, 40 yards down the field. Don't always rely on the run game because we haven't scored as many. We haven't been as efficient in the run. I, I'm not saying don't run the ball at all. I'm. How about here? Here's something. Run the ball as much as you did in the first five weeks, but not as much as you did in week six. I like that. I actually really do. Like kind I of see like what an, you mean. Kind of like an, as you as you've illuminated this entire season, get a balance. That would truly be a balance because I mean Carson Strong can't throw for 150 or 160 yards again. That just can't happen. And my second one is, or I have I have a few actually. My second one is forced turnovers. It's been a problem this season, forcing turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. Nevada's forced three, two of which have been on almost not interceptions, but were great plays that were that turned into interceptions with the Birdell interception and, of course, the tip drill Tyson interception. And, if, and the other one, it was a lateral that almost wasn't a lateral. And so Nevada's had a trouble forcing turnovers this season, and so if we can force turnovers against this high-powered offense and get off the field defensively and maybe take over in plus territory on a few key drives and really stop this Fresno State offense, we can win this game and tack more points on the board, as you mentioned before. Third one is I'm going to keep hammering this until it stops. Limit the penalties. Yeah, yeah, thank the you. The penalties Got to stop. Have, have, we're going to get penalties every game, but we can't have eight for 89 yards and have them cost us drives. That just can't happen. In the words of Uncle Joey, cut it out. Who's Is that your Uncle Joey? No, 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 no. Full House? You never watched Full House? I have not watched Full that, House. That, I can't believe you didn't yeah. get that reference. I am ashamed of you. How do you not get that? Cut it out. Nevada football. Sorry. It's kind of cheesy, but whatever. No, you you bring up great points because I think for Nevada to win this game, they got to make plays and not just offensively, defensively. Can they force some turnovers? Can they give their offense the ball in plus territory? Territory, like you mentioned, just get off the field. You, like that's yeah. that's one of the most important things, and a part of that is forcing turnovers. I mean, I'm I'm kind of scared that we're going to be running into just bad third down defense again, and you really can't do that against Fresno State. No, I feel you there in a lot of ways. And, and just... limit the big plays. Oh, definitely. I mean, that, that can help. And No, no, you brought up some great points. I really think, obviously, if Nevada hits on especially those two key parts, and the third, let's talk about limiting the penalties. If they hit on all three of those parts, they I can think they win the game. come out with the game. But yeah. that's a big if. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen in the course of 60 minutes. So, Like, let's stop the false starts. Let's stop the costly holdings. Let's stop the face let's masks. Let's stop stalling matter. drives. Uh, yeah, right. Let's stop stalling drives. That's, yeah. Because, that, again, happened against San Diego State. It happened this last week. Those have really been the only two games where it's really affected us, where to where it could, like, swing a game. But still. Yeah. And One. here's another segment I want to – or, well, okay, what's your prediction first? Well, I hate to be negative Nancy. Oh, I hate doing no. this. I hate doing oh, this. Oh, no. You know, I picked Hawaii to cover the spread oh, to cover no. last week. I'm not trying to say I'm on a roll. But um, I know looking at the spread, Nevada was still a – was it a seven-point favorite at home? Yes. It's still seven. Oh, my gosh. I just think that spread is too high. Okay. In my humble opinion, I know. I, no, I, I agree with you there. I know Fresno State has not played in quite some time, but 
I think their track record to this point speaks for itself. And unfortunately, I think, no, I don't think. I'm, I'm going to go with Fresno State 31, Nevada 28. Oh, in a high no, affair. Isaiah. I hope, oh, I promise, no. and I, like, a part of me is doing this because I've been wrong all year, so I'm trying to play okay. a little reverse psychology, but a, okay. I really do think. The reverse jinx it? Reverse, I hope so, because there's nothing I want more than, Nev- you know, Nevada gets this win. Like you said, they control their destiny, and we know how important these last two weeks are going to be. But Fresno State is... They pose a lot of problems for Nevada, offensively and defensively, and I really do think they come out with the win. 31-28. Fresno State, I'm sorry. Do you have your key to prediction ready? Are you going to sit on that one? I'm gonna th- I am gonna. I do predict a Nevada win. I do think they eventually squeak it out. Similarly to these last two weeks, I do think it may, could potentially come down a lot to the final possession. To whoever has the ball last could come out with the victory. Or I do, I do agree with you. I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't know if much defense is going to be played, honestly. But, we I mean, there's going to be pivotal drives and pivotal moments in this game where Nevada's going to have to capitalize. And Fresno State will have to capitalize, too, at some points. So, But I do think Nevada's going to win this game. I do think it could potentially go in the 30s. I still haven't made my score prediction yet, but I do think Nevada's going to win. I'm glad you kind of ended that segment with some optimism because I did not want to mic drop a loss. So thank you. All right, I got a fun little, like, game for you. Or oh, a segment for you. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. We're, we're, this is a segment called Guess the Record. I love it. And I'm just going to be pretty much asking you records based off of, like, since Jay Norvell was here and, like, this season and stuff like that. Mostly just in his career because there's obviously bigger sample size. But the first question I'm going to ask you, what is his record coming off of a loss? I know it's high. I honestly think... It's undefeated, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to go with... Not even no, close. No, no, it's, it can't be. No, it's not no, undefeated. I'm definitely sorry. not. I was thinking about his first couple years here. Well, I mean, his first his first year year, he went 3-9, and nine, so... I'm going to go Take with... Take that for what it's he's worth. Been, I'm going to go with 11... No. No, no, no. Oof. 6-5? and five? No. What is it? 10-9. and nine. Oh my gosh! You know what? I'm glad I was like he's in 11, that range. Yeah, he's eleven and eleven coming off a win, and he's ten and nine coming off of a loss. So that's a better winning percentage. Um, he hasn't had to come off a loss this season, obviously, until this week. Big game, Jay. <laughs> this is this is a stupid question. I'm going to ask you next. What's Nevada's record when they're on Fox Network or on a Fox Sports Network? Fox Sports is this all time? Yes, or this is. This year, under or not this year, but under Norvell. Under Norvell, so okay. I'm gonna go with. I know we haven't had that many. This should be a. This should be an easy question. Is it just one and zero? No, three and zero. Three and zero. Because we played three games on Fox this year. This is the first year. Is Nevada's... this the first year Nevada has been on Fox? All, yeah, because they... Norvell's tenure. Well, yeah, this is the first year with a Mountain West partnership with Fox. Oh, I believe that's absolutely right. Because they I just, were on ESPN thought... and CBS Sports Network. Yeah, I thought I just I knew the UNLV one. I was like, all right, I got that one. And this kind of plays into our keys to victory. What's Norvell's career record when Nevada scores 30-plus points? And what's, it, and, what's his, and what's the record when they score 29 or fewer points? Okay, record when he scores, ooh, 30 or more points. I'm going to go with 11 and 3. Close. Am I close there? And then You're when close. they score 20, 
29 or fewer. I'm going to go. No, finish your guess. Is that your final guess for yeah. 30 plus? Okay. 10 and 3? 11 and 3. 11 and 3. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you to give your other one and then I'll tell you both. When they score 29 or fewer, it's got to be losing. So I'm thinking I'm going to go with about 9 and 22. So the record with 30 points is 13 and 4. Oh, man. All right. That's not bad. And that's so really that's a good track record. On the other hand, Nevada is 20 and 31. No, it shows the discrepancy. Oh, well, oh, wait, hold up. We have a development here. I found Nevada's record with Jay Norvell in the uniform combos that we've been talking about like the beginning of the year. I would love to. I <laughs> oh, guess my God. I just, now, I just now find <laughs> can this. I, can I guess this well, record? There's, there's eight different combinations. Nine different combinations. I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to shoot. Shoot what, what, hold on, what color combination are you going to guess? Can I go with blue and white? Blue, white, silver? Oh, no. It, oh, okay, so how it's laid out on the game okay. notes is that <laughs> it's oh the jersey God. and the pants. Okay, the so helmet. just jersey and pants? Yeah, just jersey and pants. Can I, go I can't believe I just now discovered this. I'm glad we did this segment. Could we do white, white jersey, blue pants real quick? Uh, They've only played one game. <laughs> I was going to say, that was, I wanted to predict that. It was 0-1. Here's a fun fact. Nevada's 1-0 in white-white this year with white jerseys, white pants. They're 0-5 in those other – they've played six games. They're 0-5 in those other five games before this year in that, in that uniform combination. So this year, hey, this year it's spoken out. This year's special. Yeah, this uh, year's special. More white-white, please. Do you want to know what Nevada's best combination has been this season in terms of, like, games played and record? Has it been blue on blue? Yes. Mm, I just remember that because – some of the high-scoring touchdowns from Strong to Dubs have been those blue-to-blue combos. What's their record? 2-0. 2-0. This year. And actually ever. We're on fire, guys. I mean, we got to keep – that is an amazing – I think this needs to be a segment with, where we find interesting Nevada football and Nevada basketball stats. With a minimum of five games, what is the best record among the uniform combos in Jay Novell's era? They don't, I'm I'm What's kind of upset. I'm kind of upset this isn't all time. It's just under Norville, but yes, with a minimum of five games played, because there has been a few that have been more than five games. What is the best combination of like the record? Like what's what's the best record of combination? I I can't. What's the best What's the best jersey combination? Yes, blue. Is it blue jersey, white pants? No. No. Is it white jersey, blue pants? No. Blue jersey, silver. Pants. Correct. Yeah, I was, Correct. it's one of the three. It's got to be. What's that record looking like? Nine and four. Beautiful. Hasn't been. Hasn't had an appearance this year though. Hey, hey, Jay. Hope you're listening to this, cause um, if you haven't set up the jerseys yet, we got you. We got you. Yeah, can we, we can have a Nevada equipment we analysis could, department? We could do that. Uh, we could, like, lobby that for the final game of the season against San Jose State if that's on the road. Please do. I, I mean, mean it, I'm saying if that's on the road because of everything that's going on in that region right now with COVID, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be on the road, could not be. But if Nevada plays on the road against San Jose State, could be, like, lobby the equipment manager for them to for those colors to be blue and silver for the final game of the season. Listen, if this segment has shown anything, Nevada Equipment Analysis Department, make it happen, folks. There needs to be some sort of bar some sort of bar graph showing the statistical advantages of certain jersey collar combinations we'd be in the final in the top four cfb teams before you know it yeah 
who's stopping us when we're wearing blue and silver? No one. <laughs> no one. I, again, I really wish this was all time, but that'd be, or like at least to like 2000 or something. Please keep that segment. That segment <laughs> this is fun. awesome. Anyways, uh, we're 40 minutes into this. Wow. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll uh, talk basketball. Be right back. back nevada basketball has played four games sent or four games this season so far two of which we haven't talked about yet one of them was last night the lot one last night was the 85 60 pretty much butt kicking that nevada got against san francisco and then of course they won 70 to 58 against pacific isaiah where do you want to start first with this i mean oh we're going to get into we're going to get into a little bit of the games not too much but we're mostly going to be discussing everything like the takeaways of the first four games like what can we look out for Stuff like that. So, where do you want to start with all this? I know that's kind of a bit abroad, but you're no, no. You, I, you're you're gonna be you're in charge right now. Yeah, I just think we got to get the bad out of the way, especially coming off after that loss. Maybe we can kind of hone in on what's not been going right, especially last night's loss. So, let's yeah. start with the bad. All right, Nevada lost last night, eighty-five to sixty. I mean, not much went well at all. Um, no, shot dismally from the floor. Yeah, Nevada lost to San Francisco, eighty-five to sixty. I don't think I said that before, but. Nevada will also play San Francisco on Sunday, I believe, or Sunday in San Francisco. And so they're going to have to fix their mistakes quickly, but they allowed, or San Francisco hit a season-high 15 three-pointers. They shot over 40% from beyond the arc. The book coming into the game is that we knew they were going to shoot a lot of three-pointers, and they shot 34 on the night. They look like the team that upset number four Virginia just a few days prior. This was a good team, and Nevada just got thralled. Nevada didn't have any offensive rhythm. They broke down defensively. It was a rough showing. Zane Meeks led the way with 15 points. He was 3 of 4 from deep. The rest of Nevada was 1 of 13 from deep, which is not good at all. And Nevada only had 10 assists on the game. That's a season low. There wasn't a lot of playmaking involved. And we'll get into it in a little bit, but I don't think there's been a lot of playmaking this season really at all. But And then we'll obviously discuss Pacific. They beat Pacific 70 to 58. They Zane Meeks recorded his first career double double. He had 18 points, 11 rebounds. He was, that's a career high in rebounds. I think his previous career high was seven, and so he's obviously added in the rebound department this season. He was four to seven from deep. Brent Sherfield added 17 points. He also had a good performance. And so, what, uh, what I'm going to ask you this, Isaiah, because we didn't get into this last in into this uh, in the last podcast because you had to go to work. What are your takeaways from these first four games? You don't have to limit it just to one. You can, I guess if you want to hone in on one, you can. But what are your takeaways overall from these first four games? I've just been happy with some of the young talent that's been able to produce on the floor. I know I, you know, talking about it in the preview, some of Alford's recruiting process and some of his recruits are really starting to shine. You know, you want to hone in on Kane Millings taking some steps up in his second year. You want to talk about Zane Meeks, as we mentioned statistically, just how well he's been performing these past couple games. And then you have, you know, kind of like a, I'm not trying to say a star in the making, but a really potential impact player in Trey Coleman really performing well in his freshman season. We've seen glimpses of Alem Husenovic and DeAndre Henry as well, both freshmen entering the year. So just seeing some of Alford's recruits 
start to really develop and really kind of find their own type of, I don't know, persona and own type of development on the floor to me is really special because as we talked about, Alford came into this without his own guys. In fact, he had to beg some of Mus's own recruits just to have them back on the team. Luckily, Jaylen they Harris, did. Jazz Johnson, Lindsey Drew. I mean, KJ Himes, who's the last Mus disciple. So, yeah. Just seeing some of his own work kind of develop on the court to me has been really nice. And seeing them produce at such a high, not a high, I'm not trying to say at a high level, but just seeing them produce and, you know, be able to be productive on the floor has been great. Another takeaway of mine is what you mentioned as well is the lack of playmaking. I think we'll get into that. But I wanted to say just how special in some ways um, some of Nevada's basketball players have been with the ball in their hands in isolation situations. We've seen Desmond Cambridge really shine. Grant Sherfield at this point is a menace with the ball in his hands. I think in a lot of aspects, this year's team is able to do a lot of isolation and kind of shine on their own. Haven't really seen the continuity as a unit yet, but it's been interesting to see just how effective some of them have been able to just put the ball on the floor and be able to produce points and put up shots. So those are my two key kind of early takeaways. I know you had plenty more to get into, so wanted to let you take it away. Do you have any bad ones? Let me... Oh, well, yes. But I want to... I mean, can we talk about the good? You want to talk about the good first, or you want to highlight some of the bad ones first? I'll, I'll, I'll comment on yours. I disagree with Dez. He is, has not looked like himself, or at least himself that was at, as, as advertised. He's been... You can't, he hasn't been able to get a rhythm from the floor. He's been forcing a little bit too much. And, I mean, to his credit, he's been he, – we, we said this coming into the year. We knew he was going to take his shots. We knew he wasn't going to be the most efficient player. At least he wasn't at Brown. But there, there's been times where he's been forcing it a little too much. And I, I don't want to speculate, but he might be in his own head a little bit. Could be. There's been times where he just hasn't been able to find a rhythm yet this year. And – Hopefully that's just something that that's it, gonna happen. It's still early. Oh, I mean, for sure, yeah, for sure. And that's that's one of the things that for sure. But he hasn't been himself. Grant has been a little better with isolation, but I'll get into the playmaking a little bit. He's been good, but he's there's also been a lot of bad because he's been good. Yeah, no, and you touched on a lot of key points there. I just think, as a whole, at least we've seen bits and pieces of some of the biggest transfers to this program making. Some Without sort question. of an impact, Without and that's question. been huge to this point. And I think they've been able to showcase some of their one-on-one ability to some point. So early on, I was I think you, you can overall take a good impression. I know the loss, you know, last, li- last night's loss, that's another tongue twister. Trust, ch- test that one out. Last night's loss can kind that's of— That's not a tongue twister at all. You just had a problem saying it. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, I know last night's loss kind of— can plague the vision of the year as a whole just early on, but that has performed well to this point. Right. Can we, like, to all the fans out there who were like, I don't know if there is any, but if, who's ruling out the season already? I don't or, know. Or why are you doing who's that? Who's being super negative about the season? Like, this is a young team. They have two scholarship juniors. Like, let's relax a little bit. We're four games into the season. Every basketball team has, has these peaks and valleys. It's part of sports. It's part of basketball. It's how it is. Listen, you're going to see some growing pains Without not question. just th- and to me, not just this year, you could see some growing pains next year as well, as more recruits come in and more true freshmen into that, you know, stage of transition into their basketball careers. So, this is going to be a long process. But I think ultimately, Alfred and the rest of the 
Nevada coaching staff is taking the right steps and giving so many kids a lot of playing time, and you're seeing some of that talent produce on the floor. So I think that was my biggest takeaway as a whole from there. So, you know, that's that's kind of it. I mean, I, there's some big problems we've been having, I know, defensively, especially I think some of them were exposed last night against a, might I say, might I add. Very good shooting team. A very good USF team. You want to talk about efficiency from beyond the arc. Wow. <laughs> I mean, um, that was quite the performance. It's not just the way they play. The way they play, they looked really good. Yeah. No, I I'll be talking it. about that in a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so those are kind of my key takeaways. If you have, what did you want to touch upon? I got a few. Um, first off, with the good, I do actually have the young core, and I believe it's going to be fun to watch this team grow. I know there's a little bit of a sour taste that came with last night, but that Nevada lost to twenty. Nevada lost by thirty-three last year against BYU after winning. The what was it? The tournament? The the uh, um, Paradise Jam. The, yeah, the Paradise, Paradise Jam. Jam. Nevada won. Nevada won People. the Paradise. Nevada won the Paradise Jam, and they lost by thirty three immediately after and two very good BYU teams. Do you last remember year some of the, the fans? I remember some of the fans just going off like they just forgot about how well they performed days prior in a CB uh, in a you know competitive tournament like that. So, like you said, there's dips and valleys, especially in a long season like that. So, you can't let last night's UCF. Lost to a, a solid, a really good, fundamentally sound USF team. Really plagued the season as a whole because it's been a lot of positive, in my opinion. There has been, yeah, f- without question. And I don't think people would have expected a 3-1 and one start to begin the year in the first place. Let no. alone... Let alone just how effective they've been. So, But yeah, what did you... I know you want... I know we kind of both agreed upon the young talent and everything, but is there anything else... My second good takeaway is, I mean, again, you hit on it, excellent minutes from Cole, or not Cole, from Coleman. And Trey Coleman has been, immediately from when he stepped on the floor, I know I texted you at halftime of the first game versus North Dakota State, and I was like, this guy's one of the best wing defenders that we have on this team, if not the best. I mean, he's quick. I mean, he's proven to have a good shot. He hasn't shot in it a lot. There's The quantity necessarily isn't there yet, but the quality of his shots are there. He's been really good defensively. He's laterally quick. He's good on his stunts. He he will stunt and recover really quick. He's pretty good in his closeout. I know he had a couple not great ones yesterday, or at least not of the ones that in the first three games, but at the same time, San Francisco was just making good shots part of the time. And so they were just making contested shots. But he's been really good. He's been he's had a few nice blocks. He's gotten his hands in the passing lanes. He's just been a really pretty much a pleasant surprise in these first four games, and I don't think really anyone expected a freshman to come off the bench and be top five in the team in minutes per game. No, he's been active, especially defensively, and it just seems as if he's trying to do as much as he can on both sides of the floor. You see his hustle and determination, and you're seeing some of his untapped potential offensively as well. He's able... So it's it's been so... Yeah, like you said, a very pleasant surprise, and I credit Alfred for just giving the faith in some of the, some of the younger guys, some of his younger recruits, to really put him out there, and like you said, this is a young team, and I think Coleman right now is the, the highlight talent to this point who's really produced. So he's been a high point for sure. The third one I have on my list was, again, sour or sour taste in our mouth last night. kind of makes us forget the meal that we had beforehand. Love that. But the defense as a whole. The defense as a whole has not been bad. Yes, it was bad last night, very bad last night. And I'm going to talk about why it was bad in a little bit, but – as a whole, it's been good this season. Nevada's been one of the best teams in the nation in defensive rebounding and holding teams to just one possession. They've been pretty good offensive rebounding, but they've 
blocked some shots. They've gotten some steal. They haven't forced a whole lot of turnovers, but they've they've competed on the defensive end of the floor, at least for the most part, with the exception of most of last night, especially in the second half of last night's game. But the defense as a whole has been really good. I mean, in the first three games, they held teams to under 25% shooting from the three-point line and under 35% shooting. So they've been they've been good in that department. I don't know how much of that is luck or how much of this is the ball is not falling in the basket, but at least in my eyes, they've competed defensively in those first three games. No, and you've mentioned it. You know, maybe some of those figures – as we've talked about previously, return to the mean. Maybe some teams hit more shots and we get beat on the glass a couple times, but Nevada plays hard defensively, and they give it their all in a lot of ways. it's a, you know Obviously, it takes all five guys to create a good defensive unit, and I credit, once again, the coaching staff for just you know having that mindset to be able. You know, it's a lot, a lot of defensive production and a lot of defensive statistics lean on just how badly you want it, how badly you want to stop the opposing team sometimes, and I think Nevada plays hard on that end and especially crashes the boards. They've done that to a good point this year. And another thing, my one, my final takeaway that I didn't add to the list. To any listeners out there who watch Nevada basketball, just watch the bigs. Watch off a of defensive rebound who's first down the floor. Zane Meeks, KJ Himes, and Warren Washington have all run the floor really well. And just going through my rewatches, I went through we rewatch before my presentation this morning. There was a play where I think it was Desmond. He passed it to Alem on the corner, and he threw like a nice little like wraparound pass to KJ for a dunk. I mean, none of that was getting killed at that point, but it's just the thing where KJ had the seal. He was the first one down the floor. Alem caught it in the corner, recognized it, made a nice pass, and then led to an easy finish at the rim. And it's like Nevada last night didn't get out in transition a lot, but they did there. And there was a play, I think it was against Nebraska, where or there was multiple times where Zane was the first one down the floor and Grant would find him on a nice feed. Just He just lobs it past the defender, and Zane's the first one down there. He's ahead of the defense. He catches it for an easy finish. And that came after a game where Zane did not shoot the ball well from the rim in game one against Nebraska. That changed because he was getting down the floor. If Nevada can have player, athletic players who can run the floor and can be rim runners, this could be a dangerous team on the fast break. Oh, definitely. You, that's a great observation, a great series like, of observations just, you brought up. Just watch it. Like, next time next time Nevada plays, just watch it. I'm going to ask fans, and I'm going to ask listeners to watch that. Because it's something I've noticed, and it's just like, wow, like, we got some bigs who can run the floor. Oh, like, it's, it's impressive. No, definitely. And that's that can add a new element to our transition game, like you said. If you're able to have one, of, one or all three of those guys be able to just run the floor, create a lot of outlet passes for fast break opportunities in a lot of different ways. So like that's they'll, interesting. they'll run down the floor and they'll seal. If it, if the guards, the first one back on defense, I mean, we'll see Warren and KJ and Zane seal off a guard for an easy basket. It's like those just fast break opportunities really can unlock a lot in this offense. And that's also a testament to how good the defensive rebounding has been for us to be able to do that. Yeah. Because Nevada has been very good defense rebounding. Defense leads to offense, right? And a lot of that starts with the board. So, both aspects in that regard. Great observation, to your point. That was impressive. Again, asking everyone just to watch the bigs and watch them run the floor because it's been like kind of a, a kind of a brushed under the rug type of aspect in these first four games that we I don't I don't want to say we haven't seen a lot because last year I mean John Carlos wasn't the fastest and so and Robbie does run the floor too. That's another one. Robbie is very good at running the floor. He's not necessarily the scorer that the rest are, but at the same time, he's also the one that's getting the defensive rebounds because he's averaging 
double figures or around double figures. Robbie boards, Robbie rebounds. Yeah, Robbie rebounds. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the bad stuff. Free throw shooting. Yikes. It was good last night, 2025, from the free throw line. It was good last night. But the first few games, man, we cannot, we couldn't buy a, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there were the first two games I thought KJ Himes was our best free throw shooter. Obviously, that we know that's not the case. Grant probably is, but Nevada just can't get it going from the free throw line. They they're barely over sixty five percent heading into last night. They're now seventy percent from the free throw line. That number's going to have to improve. Oh, definitely. You have to make your points count from the line. Free throws for a reason, and we've seen at points last year where those things can come back and haunt you. For a young team like this, they need to build an advantage, and one way to do that is, you know being rewarded with free throws, and you need to make them count. Like you said, that's been one of our lowest points this year is our lack of free throw shooting as a team. But hopefully, after last night's loss, maybe that can spark something. But I guess we'll have to see in that department. Yeah, KJ 6-7 from the free throw line. How do you like that? I told you he's got the stroke. 86%. I know. Right? Small sample size, but Very hey, small. Credit, and once again, credit to him for making them because he wasn't good last year. From stretched the, the f- has shown glimpses to stretch. Has shown glimpses to, to stretch, stretch the, the floor. floor. Yeah, that's another point I want to bring up. Spacing of the bigs has been it hasn't been the best, but with KJ on the floor, he has done a better effort of he'll pick and pop, and I mean if he's not finding any there, he'll go into a dribble handoff, turning into a screen on a pick and roll. And so he's been good spacing the floor in that department, especially with Warren on the floor. And he could, I mean, he's found a way to attack the basket off the dribble. There has been, like, he did get called for a couple of travels last night. But again, then again, there was a play against Pacific where he had beautiful footwork in the post, and he got a dunk off there. But No, this was mentioned during the Nevada basketball preview, and the reason why I had K.J. Himes in my starting lineup was because I touched upon... The emphasis he was making last season at trying to add to his offensive game, and people forget that during his high school stint, sure, he's grown into his body more heading into his second year here at Nevada, but he was shooting threes in Arizona in high school and being able to kind of put the ball on the floor more and show more of his offensive game. His first year at Nevada, that wasn't the case, you know, last season. And when you're surrounded by a lot of talented shooters like Jalen Harris, like Lindsey Giroux, who, you know, catch and shoot, and obviously with Jazz Johnson, with those effective playmakers, even Nizre Zuzwad, for that matter, I don't think his, you know, outside perimeter game was relied upon as much. But this year is something different, and I'm really happy to see him kind of take that initiative to at least, you know, shoot a couple, shoot one or two, and... Just see that kind of grow and develop throughout the year. And part again, part of that's also him creating offense for his teammates. Yep. Again, in the dribble handoff game and uh, trying to get into a pick and roll and him be a rune runner. Yeah, in he's that been department, a... and he's shown confidence in his three point shot. I mean, he's only shot five. That's very small sample size, but still, he that didn't happen last year at all. He's been a and bigger... he's shooting sixty five percent from the or he shot sixty five percent from the free throw line last year. He's shooting eighty six percent this year. He's been a bigger part to this offense, and I'm really happy to see that because we've seen the hustle he gives and the determination on the boards on defense. And like you said, his rim running ability and athleticism is top notch. So just seeing those aspects and glimpses makes me really happy for him. And I think at this point he deserves the starting nod. I think 
I you were right on that. Yeah, thank you. You were right on that, man. Good I, job. I, I was. I was. Uh, I had Zane in there. You had. You had KJ. Credit it's to just you, man. one of those things. I just nailed it on the head. I think Alford. I got to credit Alford. I really do think he's done a good job. Oh, for sure. Without with question, KJ. Just handling because KJ Himes. We've seen him get out of control. Not like in a in a uh, emotional way. Like no. mentally. We're we're just talking about like sometimes he'll put the ball on the floor, like you said, and it'll just like he's just kind of wild at times. But he's done a good job this year. He looks calmer. He looks kind of. Just a little bit more sound in ways, and I think he looks more confident in ways as well. So just one of those takeaways as well that you highlighted. Really good job. The second one is turnovers. Um, it's it, it, We're averaging 15 a game this year. That's a good amount. That's not where you really, really where you really want it. But the part that we saw last night and the part that we've seen that we saw definitely against Nebraska is this isn't necessarily a stat that's quanti- – I mean, it's not quantified in college basketball. It's qualified in the NBA, but deflections, okay? Nebraska and San Francisco both got a lot of deflections. Not all of them resulted in turnovers, but they were deflecting the ball out of bounds and getting in passing lanes. Part of that's just Nevada's not necessarily being super smart with the ball. A lot of this is due to being an inexperienced team and not having a whole lot of chemistry and trying to, again, two scholarship juniors a bunch of scholarship freshmen and sophomores who haven't gotten a lot of action yet. And credit to San Francisco and Nebraska and even like Pacific who were quick to the ball. And even North Dakota State, they were they San Francisco last night, especially in the second half, they were really active. They, they were really jumping the passing lanes and there was a string of possessions where they had a steal and then block and then it's just like Nevada can't it was the start of the second half. They got out to a quick six oh run and Nevada couldn't necessarily take care of the ball. Again, averaging only 15, 15.3 a game, but I say only because I feel like it could be worse. Yeah, that may be a number that could, like you say, rise throughout the year with such a young team. And I know Alford really hones in on the turnovers and being able to take care of the ball. He talks about it. You know, it's one of the first things he mentions after every post-game press conference is just how many turnovers his team has. And the ability to take care of the ball is impactful in so many ways. I really don't. Like you said, it hasn't been like too bad, but it has a potential to get worse in a lot of ways, and that may have to be one of the growing pains with this team is just the inability to take care of the basketball. Without and question, when you have active teams like like you said, USF and Nebraska. USF was so active last just, night in the yeah. second half when I was going through my rewatch Jump this morning. The I was like, and everything. this team is their their defense was everywhere. They're chasing Nevada off the three point line. They were getting quick and passing they, lanes, forcing turnovers, getting easy baskets on the other end. Like they were everywhere. They were hungry. They were, oh, for yeah. sure. They had some, they just they had, had some great, dogs on that team. Great contests. Uh, they, yeah, they were, they were very good defensively. My third one, part of which leads to the turnovers is there hasn't been enough playmaking. The lack of involvement, the lack Grant, of ball movement. Grant is averaging four assists a game. Desmond is averaging barely over two a game. I don't think anyone else on the team is averaging more than one and a half per game. Yeah, that's not good. That's just not enough involvement. It's not enough ball movement. That needs, yeah, yeah. that definitely needs some improvement in so and, many ways. Because that will help, like you said, lessen the turnovers if that's the case, more in, ball movement. In turn with Grant, he does have four turnovers of a game, but half the time he's forced to dribble the air out of the ball. And maybe sometimes has to force a bad pass. 
because it's like if the more they have your ball in your hands, statistically speaking, the more you're prone to turn over the ball. Yeah, it's what happens. You see some of the best playmakers in the game have a high amount of turnovers, but sometimes, like you said, when you're the focal point of the offense, you need to force passes. And to Grant's, not credit, but for Grant's like sake, yeah, he's been forced into some of those situations. But overall, like you said... Just bad pass. There's, there's yeah. just silly passes that have happened. And do you think some... And some of them are unforced. Like, turnovers are unforced. I was going to say. Do you think a lot of them are unforced errors to Nevada's part? Or do you think some of them is just the lack of just, hey, a simple swing pass around the perimeter or just feeding it inside and stuff like that? See, I think it's both. Because there's been times where or there's been possessions where Nevada can't throw an entry pass. But it's also they take an off-balance pass, and it's like you don't necessarily have to do that. And a lot of that's also just generating offense. Nevada hasn't generated offense much compared to last year. And that would correlate with your assist numbers. In a sense, not to a high degree, but in a sense, the more you're able to create assists, the more you're able to generate offense. And Nevada hasn't generated enough offense this year. They've It's been stagnant, to say the least, at some points. Especially what we saw last night in the second half. Nevada was stagnant offensively. They were forcing bad shots. They weren't making the extra pass. And so the offense was stagnant there, or else they were just shooting too early in the shot clock. I mean, you can do that, but there's also there's definitely risks to that. And so if Nevada can generate more offense, not just with Grant, but with like Desmond or Kane or something like that, it would definitely help Nevada's offense flourish and score more points, which could boost the confidence on the defensive end. Because some this didn't this happened last night to where Nevada fell behind and everything just fell apart. And I mean, of course, that's growing pains with the team, but you kind of have to fight through that mentally. Yeah, definitely. And you brought up a good point. It's just the two go hand in hand with, you know, just how impactful ball movement and more continuity can happen and can really help decrease the amount of turnovers and really help us defensively. So I think with a young team, I think Alford will kind of put it into perspective just how important that aspect of the game is. And I think we'll see more crisp ball movement, whether it's just simple swing passes around the perimeter, just getting more touches, more guys involved throughout each half-court possession and stuff like that. And I think there is some unselfishness in a lot of ways through the transition game, especially, like you said, coming off a rebound. I don't think there's really... There has been, but there also has been, like... I remember there was a sequence last night to where I think Grant was on a three-on-two, and he he had a couple open guys in transition. He didn't hit them. He and it was called for double dribble. He dribbled it the wrong way and, and double dribble. And it forced yeah. a double dribble and it was like Nevada was on a three on two, three on three fast break and take advantage of that. Take, take adva- advantage of take the advantage numbers. of that. And there has been times this year where Nevada hasn't taken advantage of that. But I just think at that point it's early. Like for not sure. a lot not for a sure. lot of continuity this off season. But that yeah, like you mentioned, the lack of ball movement increasing to the rise of turnovers, the two go hand in hand, and those have been concerns to this point. If Nevada is able to take care of the ball better and if they're able to get more movement offensively. It's not even like the lack of ball movement or the not even forcing, not even the turnover part, but scoring points. Nevada's moved the ball, but again, there's been a, there's been multiple instances where it's become a lot really stagnant. And for stretches at a time, 
that can hurt a team, and that definitely hurt Nevada last night. It didn't necessarily Nevada hurt hurt Nevada as much in the first three games, but there was times where that happened. Yeah, that has to be, like you said, a key point to really focus on throughout the year, and got to put up points. Kind of simple. Got to be able to score. So I think we have the talent to do so, obviously, as some of them have showcased early on this year. And I just think that's one of the ways that Nevada can overall improve their offensive game throughout that stretch, I would say. And the last and final bad takeaway I have, and this doesn't even involve just Nevada. I've seen so many air balls this season. It's been insane. <laughs> I don't think I've seen so many air balls in the, <laughs> to start a season in my life. Like I know I'm not from both teams. I'm not put joking. it on COVID. Nobody's getting. I mean, the it's down. insane. Dude, like, it, I mean, there was a possession last night. It was one of the first possessions of the game, and it, like I audibly chuckled when I saw it. Grant got a contested three, airballed it. Someone got the rebound. One of the bigs got the rebound. I'm guessing it was Warren. Passed it out to Coleman. Coleman airballed it, and it was like two consecutive air balls. When you're not even that far behind the three-point line, I'm just – I audibly chuckled. I was like – I and I'm audibly chuckling because I haven't – it's been so – it's involved both teams throughout the game in each of the four games that Nevada's played in. Imagine. Yeah, I, I, I can't count on my fingers and my toes how many air balls I've seen this year. And I'm not talking just about air balls on, like, the off-balance floaters. I'm talking about air balls like balanced jump shots. Yeah. That, Set your feet <laughs> – like, everything's clicking, but <laughs> it just... looks like everything's clicking until you see the ball go up in the air and land because it's way short and it's like, wait, what's going on here? That's like, right. is it de- is it depth percep- perception or something? Is like, am I missing? I mean, is it the crowd? Like, is is honestly the missing of the crowd? Is I don't, I'm, I, don't I don't know. I guess it's just being too speculative, but having the crowd aspect for that, you know, having the crowd for that aspect. Would be nice because I do I do love me an air ball call because you know like for us as we're writing it and stuff we can't really say it we only say it in our mind so it's like hearing that audibly is pretty funny but no that's going to bring up kind of a funny point just to see and maybe it's just a like a timing thing a little early and just not getting your feet under you especially if it's early in the game maybe. You know, maybe you didn't. I mean, it's feel happened right throughout shooting. the game, though. That's the part. That's, That's so the problem. Weird. It's it's been like maddening. It's like why are there so many air balls on jump shots? It's, maybe that's just a start of the season thing. I don't know. From my history of watching basketball, I don't remember that ever happening so much in a four game stretch. Again, I haven't charted it, so I wish I like would have, but I didn't. But there's been a lot. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. that stops. I think I think we'll see a stop to that one pretty soon. Maybe Alford would just, guys, enough of the air balls. <laughs> just something like that. No, I think that's a funny, you bring up a funny observation, though. Oh, another one is fouls. Um, yeah. Desmond's been in foul trouble a lot this year, and that's part of the what I was going back to in the beginning when we started talking about this was he hasn't found himself in rhythm, and part of that is he's been inconsistent minutes on the floor because he's been in foul trouble. KJ has been in foul trouble a little bit, not much. I mean, he fouled out of a game. He averaged a lot of fouls last year. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I think fourth. I think he's fourth most in the conference. But yeah, he hasn't fouled as much this year. He's been better with that. But there's just been times where Nevada's gotten themselves into foul trouble. And I mean, of course, that happens in a basketball game. It's basketball. But that's, I guess, something a little negative. Not something you have to worry about too much. Again, that'll come with experience. That'll come with better discipline throughout the season. Just getting your feet under you. 
um, not learning to fall for all the pump fakes. I mean, there was a foul last night called on Robbie that was just ridiculous. Guy went up for a floater. Robbie had his hand straight up. I don't even know if Robbie touched the guy, and they called a foul. And it was like, okay, you can't control that. Yeah, some of them are out of their control, like you said. Robbie was like, what did I do? Like, what what's happening? Yeah, sometimes you get those. Obviously, right? Bad calls happen in all sports. But, no, just something to keep an eye on because fouls, I know foul trouble hurt us last year in some ways, especially down low. But it's good to see Himes and KJ and just be a little more disciplined because his impact in the game. And if Desmond can stay out of foul trouble too, maybe maybe he'll find his rhythm more offensively. This is something I remember watching a Marcus Marshall video when he was here at Nevada. And one thing that Marcus Marshall said is you always have to have confidence when you shoot it, meaning you always want to have confidence like for it to go in. And no matter how often you shoot it, you always think it's going in. And I hope Desmond's in that frame of mind, but he just hasn't gotten in a rhythm much. And I wonder, I, I, again, I just wonder if he's in his own head. Yeah, I, mean, I don't that's... know. I don't, I'm not going to speculate on Desmond. Desmond's been, Desmond's been awesome when he's on the floor. But it's just the little inconsistencies on offense that have really just kind of you you can kind of notice, like sometimes taking the difficult shots. To his credit, he's made some of them, but or making the extra pass or something like that. I don't know. I just he might be in his own head a little bit. He just hasn't gotten that in that rhythm. And I think it was Len Stevens who talked about it last night on the broadcast when he was shooting free throws in the beginning of the game. He's like, maybe this is what Desmond needs to just get him in rhythm. I mean, he made one of two, and. Obviously, didn't finish the game in double figures, but still, maybe he needs to. Maybe he, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't, it's a layup. Maybe it's just something as simple as that. An elbow like jump sh- shot. Shooting can be contagious, but it's also like sometimes when you're shooting, sometimes you only need one to go in. It's different for every player. I mean, he's seen a couple go in and still hasn't found the consistency. But maybe he just needs two, three, or four. Yeah, and we've seen he's been able to string together, you know, baskets. The sixteen-point run Brown. against Nebraska, yeah. finishing the half with sixteen and Nevada's twenty against Nebraska like we've seen that Desmond like he's been awesome but there's also been the times where he might be in his own head but I'm glad it hasn't affected him defensively because he's been good defensively yeah I think he hasn't been our best defender but he's been one of our best defenders I would probably say Grant maybe at the point of attack has been he's guarded the best player he guarded uh Bouye last night he guarded um Pacific's best player I can't remember his name off the top of my head but He's been guarding really the best guard on the floor, and Desmond's taking kind of that number two role. And Desmond's done a good job. He's been quick defensively. Like, he hasn't been bad. So I'm glad it hasn't affected that side of him. All shooters go through it, all the shooting for him. Yeah, especially early on in the year. I really do think he'll snap out of it because he has the ability to do so. We've seen, you know, bits and pieces of what he's truly capable of offensively, and it's something special. So I just think as the offense as a whole, I, I really do think it'll grow and improve. So just something to keep an eye on. Do you have any player that you're really keeping an eye on in the future? Mm, great question. I, You know what? Warren Washington, I know he's still a big name and everything like that, but at, to this point, I would he's someone I'm just trying to keep an eye on more, especially with his presence down low. I think it's Hasn't had a lot of counting numbers these first few yeah. games, but, he, I mean, he did a good job last night uh, when he was under the rim going up and drawing fouls and getting the free throw line and converting. It's just interesting to see who they pair with him down low with because the dynamics change sometimes with him and Meek, whether it's Meeks in Washington or Meeks in Heim. I mean, uh, or Himes Spacing. in Washington. So he's just someone I'm keeping an eye on for certain. And you know what? To this point, he's been pretty solid. Nothing, no complaints. Here's a question I have for you that was I, I kind of want to propose to you for the future, not necessarily this year, but do you think Trey Coleman can be a small ball four? 
<sighs> like imagine here, 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 here's a lineup construction for you: Milling, Desmond, Grant, Coleman, and like Robbie or Coleman and DeAndre or Coleman and even Warren. Who that's okay, Warren in there, but yeah, I mean that's that's pretty small. That but you know what? Gosh, Coleman's tenacious, isn't he? Especially defensively, he. When he adds to his frame. Yeah. Hopefully, I think he will. Maybe. Oh, maybe I'm, I'm, I know he. I know he will, and he's been. He's proven to be very good well, on the perimeter hey, so far, and he's strong. Yeah. So. It's tough to add muscle. Oh, it for is. sure. It's oh, a for very sure. long process. Sure. Ask Cole Turner. That's what I'm saying. Like in the future. Oh, okay. We're talking about years down the road. I'm not right? saying. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not you, saying. Because you threw no. out that lineup. But like I'm throwing out this that. Year, I'm throwing so out that lineup as kind of like an ooh, like what if that happened for this year. No, I, I mean, I hope it happens this year, but I'm at, I'm I'm more necessarily looking for Just it down for the, the road. future. I really do think, yeah, a small ball, Trey Coleman at the four, lineup could be definitely a possibility down the road, especially if he adds more. So, like, give me like DeAndre as a small ball five and Coleman as a small ball four. You want to talk about running the floor? B. Wow, that could be something. <laughs> Again, it's just like a thought. Do you think Trey Coleman guards uh, Derek Olsen? That'd be a tough assignment for a freshman. But oh, for sure. Gosh, but... he's he's active though. I mean, maybe maybe at points. Who would who would guard uh, Derek Olsen? Robbie when Robbie. he's on the floor. I would say if Robbie. There Robbie's, may have to Robbie's be. Been, Robbie's been Robbie's rebounds been, has been yeah. very good defensively. Don't, you, don't sleep on Robbie. Uh, I'm not. You I'm, were hating on him. I'm. I was sleeping on his. Preview. I was you're hating on his on shooting. Him. You're just sleeping on him in general. Don't sleep on him. I'm not guy. hating on Robbie. <laughs> sleeping on him. Don't I mean, sleep I mean, on Robbie. To be fair, I did have him on the starting lineup. But he hasn't started this year, so, I mean, is Alford a hater for that? I don't know. I think uh, <laughs> um, in that matter, come when Boise State potentially plays, you could see a lineup change, and maybe Robbie gets the starting maybe, nod. Maybe, maybe. It could maybe. be, but that's something down the, down the road. Yeah, I just wonder because, yeah. I mean, I remember I saw Warren guarding – the fours and the threes and the first few games. And, I mean, at times he wasn't doing it all the time, but I just thought that was interesting. You have two bigs on the floor, one of them guarding a perimeter player. Maybe he has a Warren or a KJ or something like that to guard Derek Alston. Because I don't think he's going to put – he might put Grant on him. I don't know. Yeah, that may be – oof. Oh, well, I guess we'll see. That could be an interesting assignment. I don't know. Too, I just right? think – I don't. it'd just be a fun little – Something to look out for. Oh, definitely. Months down the line, whenever that game is, I can't remember. But it's. Do you think ways. he guards Matt Mitchell? Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of. I'd be kind of scared because Matt Mitchell's very strong. Matt Mitchell's big. And he's very good. And he's good. And he's been able. Gosh, he's he's improved his ball handling tremendously. He's improved everything tremendously. He's, he's just. He's been incredible this year, awesome. and I mean, even from his. Sophomore to his junior, and now his junior to his senior. He's been phenomenal. He, he used to be just a spot-up shooter, and he used to just stand in the corner. I don't Not even know anymore. if he was a spot-up shooter. He was just a big defender, and now he's really cemented his all-around games. Much respect to SDSU's Matt Mitchell. He's a beast. Do you think Matt Mitchell would just overpower Trey Coleman? At this point, yes. I would say so, but there. I think he would overpower a lot of guys on Nevada. Oh, I don't question. I yeah. I would guess He's Robbie. Big. Yeah, he, that's another Robbie assignment, in my opinion. Yeah, why don't we get Robbie as a small ball five, and we can get insert Trey as a small ball four? It'd be kind of cool. I That'd mean, again, I know like people listening to me would be like, "That's too small." It's like, yeah, I like small ball lineups. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'd rather small ball ne- I'd rather Nevada go. I'd rather not. Uh, it all depends on the circumstance too. 
like against San Francisco, they were very good at something that I realized is they were very good at cutting, and they were really like sharp with their cuts and they were really sharp with their offense and their movement. So maybe Nevada does need to go smaller a little bit. I don't know, just to kind of match that. Yeah, just those types again, of assignments down the road. There's Samba Kane isn't like the smallest guy, but they have some other like forwards who, I believe Warren and. Uh, KJ could overpower in the paint, but I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. So just something interesting, you know. Yeah, just something to keep. Just something. Just just a thought that popped up in my head. Anyways, do you have anything more to add? No, sir. I should wrap it up. This is a long episode. Yeah. Well worth it though. We had to touch on a lot of things. Yeah, we had to touch on a lot of things. Nevada will play San Francisco on Sunday. You got your Sunday basketball, your Sunday morning football, or your morning football, and then you got your morning basketball. Okay, hold on. Your NFL Sunday football, along with your Nevada basketball, like Sunday edition, whatever. And then you got Nevada playing Fresno State Saturday night. Should be the biggest game of the year to this point. I, I at least I feel like seven thirty or PM. one of the biggest games. Seven thirty p.m. Fox At Mackey. Sport, Fox Sports Two. Thank you for listening. Thank you, especially if you listen to this long podcast. We appreciate you. Yes, give us a rating, a five-star rating. In fact, I hope you all have a safe week. Isaiah, are you almost done with finals? No, no, I've just begun, basically. It all starts next week. Uh, I had a couple today. It kind of sucked. Eesh. I mean, not it didn't suck, but it, it, it was just presentations. I don't like presentations. But anyways, yeah, I'm almost done, too. I think my last final, I said it on the last podcast for some reason, my last final is the... Friday of the San Jose State Games, which is the 11th. So that's cool. Um, but anyways, thank you for listening. We hope you're safe. We hope you're doing well. Uh, go Pack. See you next week.